This is the Simi Sarah Show on News Talk 980 CKNW, Vancouver's News, Vancouver's Talk. Hey, but first, we always kick it off with what's happening right now with Gordon McDonald. Hey, Gord. Good morning, Smitty. Great to talk to you. What, what do we got? What's going on right now? Please, sir, may I have a little bit more? <laughs> the government needs to take a big jump on this issue, as Alberta has done, Seattle. L.A., New York State, these are all jurisdictions where the governments have committed to get to $15 an hour. Irene Lanzinger, uh, we all knew her voice when she was heading up the B.C. Teachers Federation. Now she is the leader of organized labor in the province, B.C. Federation of Labor. And Smitty, I think it's, what, about three years old now, the campaign by the Fed uh, to get the minimum wage raised to 15 bucks an hour. Right. Uh, so the story broke yesterday, and Shirley Bond, the minister, the jobs minister, she'll be talking to you later this hour, but she issued a statement last night saying that because the provincial economy is doing so well, <laughs> they are going to give us an extra boost to the minimum wage. Now, it was, do, it was supposed to go up uh, another 10 cents an hour, what, in September for the uh, consumer price index, the right. usual increase. But they're talking about, and I think Keith Maldry over at Global is talking about another 20 cents, and as you mentioned, would take it to $10.75 an hour uh, by the time we get to the fall. Right. Uh, Federation of Labor would like it to be $15 an hour, um, but I'm wondering, Mike, and maybe I'm just cynical, and you're a columnist in, in, in this field, so maybe you can comment. We have a provincial election next year. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Oh, and yes, we do. New Brunswick has the lowest, we have the second lowest minimum wage in the country at 1045. Right. New Brunswick is lowest at $10.30. They're going to jack theirs up in April. So we would have the lowest minimum wage in the country if the government doesn't do anything. And we would have, what, the hottest housing market in mm. the country by every major economist organization, the best provincial economy in the country, and we'd have the lowest minimum wage in the country. Wouldn't look good for our liberal MLAs trying to get reelected, would it? Yeah, and some of the highest costs of living in the country as well right here. So, yeah, a lot of pressure on the government to raise the minimum wage. But it's, it's interesting, Gord, that when they, the last time they raised the minimum wage, like you said, they indexed it to inflation. So there's an automatic increase every year now, according to the inflation rate. Of course, the inflation rate is pretty low. And that appeared to be the, the end of it. The government wasn't going to touch it again. But here we are with an election looming next year. And suddenly the government is saying, well, we're going to jack it up a bit higher than we originally said because we're doing so great. I think it is certainly uh, driven by some politics. And I think one of the things that where Christy Clark is a bit vulnerable after doing things like clawing back the bus pass for poor disabled people in British Columbia, you know, I think they realize that one of the places they're vulnerable is looking a little mean, uh, maybe looking a little uncaring. So here you have a move where we're going we're gonna to increase the minimum wage higher than we said, maybe look a little kinder and gentler for the voters in the next election. But it's interesting, the B.C. Federation of Labor, yeah, they want 15 bucks an hour. Government's not, not going to get anywhere near $15 an hour. But it's going to be interesting to see well, how high they do raise And it. this gets us into the fight between economists, uh, and that is that uh, there are some economists who will argue that you could increase the minimum wage and have minimal impact on the economy. Other economists, for instance, I'm thinking the Fraser Institute's Charles Lamam would be one of them, who would argue that you know the minute you try and increase the minimum wage, all you're going to do is cause some layoffs at the bottom end. Most workers don't make the minimum wage. They make better than that. Right. And for the people who do make minimum wage, those are the first people to go if a business has to cut back because its expenses went up. So you're going to get the, uh, the, the war between economists. Uh, sometimes it's more... 
ideological than it is economic, but uh, I'm sure it can make the listeners' eyes kind of glaze over when they've got, uh, you know, different groups saying, well, you can jack it up and help the poor people and it's not going to cause layoffs. And then others say, wait a minute here, the businesses where a bunch of these people at the bottom end of the wage scale uh, are, they're the ones who are going to pay the price. Well, we're going to dig into this one. I'm looking forward to that topic on the show today. Gord, keep this in mind. Most people who earn the minimum wage are in the service industry and a lot of people in the restaurant sector. Of course, you got waiters who would make tips on top of the minimum wage. The re- you can bet the restaurant industry will resist any kind of major increase to the minimum wage, and we're going to get into that on the show today. Let's take a quick break, and we'll come back and talk more with Gord McDonald about what's happening right now. This is Mike Smith in for Simi Sarah. Stick around. Hi, it's John McComb. You're listening to The Simi Sarah Show on CKNW. And this is what's happening right now. Money laundering in casinos was uncovered not by any regular processes, but in fact by a routine traffic stop. And in May of 2015, BC liquor store employees raised concerns about large cash purchases of alcohol, and they were instructed not to report to FinTrack or the police. All right, welcome back. Mike Smith in for Simeon. What's happening now with CKNW News anchor Gord McDonald? All right, Gord. So this is a news conference that John Horgan of the uh, BC NDP held a little bit earlier in the week. And, Smitty, you mentioned uh, at the outset of the show today that you'd written about it and gotten lots of public feedback. So FinTrack uh, is the federal agency, and it is designed to track ill-gotten gains, money uh, from crime, usually drug money. So basically at financial institutions, if you walk in with 10 grand or more, you're going to have to explain where the money came from. You can't just walk in with a suitcase of $100,000 without red flags being raised. So, Mike, wouldn't it be embarrassing for the provincial government if, in fact, that system that's in place to track dirty money isn't being properly used when it comes to the hundreds of thousands of dollars that go through casinos? Mm. And the liquor system, who walks in with ten or fifteen or twenty thousand dollars and buys liquor oh. and no in cash and no red flags are raised, so that's somewhat troubling. These emails that uh, Horgan and the NDP uh, unveiled. Uh, Mike Morris, I believe, now Smitty, I think you were uh, at the legislature this week, so he may uh, you may have covered it actually. But Mike Morris said, no, 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 no. We work with the federal government, but wouldn't wouldn't it be embarrassing if if these two big generators of cash uh, aren't being properly monitored, uh, and they're from the through the provincial system, the provincial government. Well, my favorite story on this one, Gord, is the cop that stops the guy in the parking lot of a casino in Chilliwack after someone saw a car driving erratically on the highway. So they confront this guy over a suspected drunk driving charge, and you heard John Horgan refer briefly to that in in this clip. They talk to the guy in the car. According to court documents, they find $20,000 in cash and some crack cocaine. The guy, according to these court documents, says, hey, I won $300,000 on the slots. And then the cops look deeper and they say, guess what? This guy had been paid out more than $2 million by BC casinos over a period of 10 months. What's that about? And now you've got the B.C. Civil Forfeiture Office going after this guy and trying to get money back from him. So, you know, you got to see. Now, remember, we've been talking about money laundering in B.C. casinos for years, years. Yeah. And this all happened last year. Yeah. And that's the that's the concern. Of course, the issue got, was raised uh, more recently with the uh, hot housing market in Metro Vancouver. Right. And is there money 
uh, that folks from China have gotten unscrupulously, and they're coming over here to invest in the housing market and dump a bunch of money with a bunch of cash, no questions asked. And the the uh, the Globe and Mail did a, a series on this uh, about two weeks ago, and that was the issue of. Uh, uh, you know, not following the rules, realtors not following all the rules to report to FinTrack, these very large cash cash, uh, transactions. So, you know, I I think the government's going to have to do more than just uh, say, oh, yeah, yeah, of course, we we work work with FinTrack uh, and uh, have to explain what Horgan's been talking about. Now, is this going to seriously damage their re-election chances? I'm not sure, but the system's got to get cleaned up a whole lot more. More on that in the show today. Meanwhile, speaking of real estate, the Greater Vancouver Real Estate Board increasing fines for unethical real estate practices. The Premier put in place an, uh, an advisory committee to come back and give us some recommendations on how we could, what is actually the, the issue and how can we do anything to, to prevent it in the future. And we thought that she kind of preempted that. Okay, that's Don Morrison, newly elected uh, president of the Greater Vancouver Real Estate Board. They had their annual general meeting, 300 realtors out uh, for that. So they decided to triple the fines for unethical behavior or misconduct from $10,000 to $30,000. Now, critics have been pointing out in all of this uh, shadow-flipping assignment clause controversy that hundreds of thousands of dollars are flying around with this really red-hot housing market. So critics have said some of the fines aren't high enough. Now, the board has tripled them, but whether $30,000 is enough. Uh, Don said in an interview with John McComb this morning here on CKNW, Mike, that he these fines aren't supposed to be just the price of doing business. But right. when you look at some of the the transactions happening in parts of Metro Vancouver, especially the west side of Vancouver, thirty grand isn't uh, you know ten grand isn't that much. Thirty grand isn't that much more when you're looking at three, four, five million dollar homes. Now the issue of shadow flipping. This is the assignment clause, as Don pointed out in the interview with John. It's very legitimate in cases, but what's it's being abused. This is the assignment clause, the so-called shadow flipping. It's being abused by a small number of realtors. Um, so Don said that, you know, so the industry, the premier said, a, what, a couple of months ago, industry, clean up. You got to right. clean up. Yeah. If you don't, I will. And so the industry struck a committee to look at this and come up, come up with recommendations. But uh, before the committee's even come close to being done its work, the premier announced to that news conference last week that it's all being driven by greed and she's going to end the practice right away. And if there's any cons- assignment clauses, any profits from the flips within uh, between the time of sale and the time of close, uh, the flips, uh, all that money's got to go back to the original owner, which is fair, uh, which is right. But they're kind of scratching their heads at the real estate board saying, well, why did you strike this committee to come up with solutions when you just did an end around anyways? Well, I think Christy Clark kind of rushed out that announcement last week because she felt that the NDP were getting the upper hand on this thing. And guys like David Eby, had been pushing really hard on affordability, fraud, offshore speculators, and they'd really been getting a lot of traction on this. This had been turning into a, a good political issue for the NDP because the Liberals and Christy Clark at first were just kind of sitting back and not really doing much. I think the Liberals panicked a little bit and said, man, the NDP are getting the upper hand on this. We got to do something. We got to get in front of this. And I think that's why you saw Christy Clark come out dramatically and aggressively last week talking about greed. I'm going to bring the hammer down on these people right now. And you're right. You, the, you see the real estate sector kind of getting their back up a little bit on that. You know what? 
I don't think Christy Clark minds that at all. No, I, I, don't, they, I don't think she minds at all that the real estate sector is now getting a little annoyed at her because I think she thinks that's good politics for her. If the public can see that she's being tough and the real estate industry is getting a little annoyed about it, I don't, I don't, think, the, I don't think the government minds that a, a one bit. Yeah, I, I, because I think she knows the public, the public would be with them and the public, even though the real estate associations may be correct in saying, wait a minute here, I thought you just struck this committee and now you're suddenly arbitrarily going ahead. Right. Um, because the public sees this as greed and the public just says, you know, this has got to stop. So it's kind of an easy one politically for her to clean up. This, though, doesn't, I mean, you know, the abuses are one part of the problem, but the other part of the problem is the multiple offers where it's just crazy, where, um, you know, people are now buying things without even uh, without even inspections because the real estate agents say, I got offers here. I'm not going to wait for an inspection. The own, you know, the owner that's selling has offers in which there's no no subjects whatsoever. So it's a, this part. I mean, this will clean up this part of the issue, but the bigger part of the issue, which is the rising house prices, it's not just being done by uh, abuse of the shadow of the, the uh, assignment clause. It's a whole lot more going on there. Let's get a break in. We'll back with more with what's happening right now. Stick around. Hi there. It's Willie from Willie in the Morning over at Rock 101, and you're listening to Simi Sarah's show on CKNW, and this is what's happening right now. To the center. Back to the wing. Back to the center. Center holds it, holds it, holds it. Halfback, passes to center, back to wing, back to center, center holds it, holds it, holds it! (laughs) All right, more with what's happening now with CKNW News anchor Gordon McDonald. Gordon. Mike, uh, that is the Simpsons on soccer, but a great yeah. soccer match tonight. Canada's hosting Mexico, the first of a home-and-home home series. They go down uh, early next week to Mexico City, part of the World Cup qualifying. Over 55,000 expected at BC Place. Wow. Um, kind of cool. Um, I just got off the phone before the 10 o'clock news with David Haber. Now, our listener might know the last name. Marcus Haber is David's son. Marcus uh, has been on the national team for a number of years, played for the Whitecaps before they were in, in, in MLS. Uh, Left high school to go play in Holland and uh, is now playing professionally uh, in England. And uh, he's on the squad. So it's kind of cool for David and his wife because they're going to get to see their son play here uh, with the national team. Men's team hasn't done so well in the last number of years, but it seems to be on the way up. Uh, We had a great tournament with the women. Uh, David isn't surprised by the ticket sales. He says, you know, like it started with the Olympics where people will come out and watch sports, even though they may not be it's not as popular, say, as the NHL here in Vancouver, but people will come out and watch. And we've had a very strong soccer community in here for well, a lot of Mexican fans, too. Yes, a lot of Mexican oh, yeah. fans, too. So, you know, and, and my goodness, if we could come away with a tie, oh, they're ranked uh, 22nd in the world. We're ranked 87th. Ugh. So uh, we yell a lot uh, today. And, you know, Kyle Lahren is uh, the center forward. Marcus will come in as a striker probably to replace Lahren late in the game. Kyle Lahren, a Canadian, doing really well in MLS. If he can pot a goal or two, maybe that could get real loud in BC Place. All right, go Canada, go. Thank you, Gord. That's Gord McDonald, CKNW News Anchor with What's Happening Now. we got a great show lined up for you. Don't go anywhere. This is News Talk 980 CKNW. Vancouver's News, Vancouver's Talk.